Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Son of Buffalo, Dave Leventhal, Editor-in-Chief at Raw Story. Dave, it's been a while. It has been a while, but great to be back with you, Joe. And great to have you back. Uh, as always, a lot going on in Washington, and I've I've debated where to start in this conversation, Dave, so I flipped a coin, uh, and we're going to start. Uh, President Joe Biden has announced his re-election, Dave. Uh, what's the buzz around Washington, D.C.? I mean, do you really want to call it a buzz? It's sort of like a, pardon me, a a big extended meh, uh, both among Democrats and and among Republicans, too. I mean, Joe Biden's uh, announcing that he's going to run for re-election in 2024 uh, was about as big an open secret uh, as we've had here in Washington for probably the past six months. Sure, there were some suggestions and indications that because of his age or because of a lack of desire to to go and do it all over again for a whole campaign season and another four years in the presidency that he might step back. But Joe Biden always seemed intent on running for another four years. But it wasn't a big rally. It wasn't his announcement. It wasn't any big to do. It was a YouTube video and something that was decidedly downbeat relative to what you might expect from somebody who was, in fact, going to be running for reelection and comes with the backdrop of his popularity really being at the bottom of the bottom for where he's been throughout his presidential election leading up to 2020 and his presidency itself during its first two years plus. Did you know we knew it was going to be announced on Tuesday, but did the way it and that was announced, did that surprise you as well? We were surprised when all of a sudden we just saw a video on Twitter. Actually, not that surprised and uh, not that surprised because Joe Biden has been very reluctant to go out and do sort of the, the big splashy types of events that, for example, Donald Trump loves to do. So this has been a little bit more Joe Biden style during his presidency. He's somebody who is uh, really kind of at the at the bottom of the list when it comes to the press appearances that he makes, the news conferences that he conducts among other presidents in modern history. So the fact that he would go out with a, a video where he himself didn't even appear that much in the video. I mean, he was there for snippets, but oftentimes it was scenes of other things going on during a three plus minute video uh, is kind of decidedly quintessentially Joe Biden during his presidency. You know, as you said, there's not a lot of excitement um, on either side of the of the aisle. I mean, a majority of Americans do not want to see Joe Biden or Donald Trump run. More people watched Bob Patterson than want these two men to run for president. And Bob Patterson got canceled in four episodes. I, I mean, what are people saying in D.C. and especially Republicans, Dave? Is there this thought amongst Republicans in D.C. that 
you know, if we run anyone other than Trump, we have a good chance against someone whose popularity is falling. Well, there was a funny political cartoon, and I and I, I wish I would have paid closer attention to uh, to the author of the cartoon. But basically, it showed a crayon stand with with a banner over it uh, saying "Fans for Trump versus Biden 2024," and the the grandstands were were empty. So <laughs> nobody really seems to be itching for a rerun of the 2020 election on either side. But why might we get that? Well, uh, it's very clear on the Republican side that Donald Trump still commands a massive following and support base. So he's going to have some challengers. He already has some challengers in the form of Nikki Haley and Asa Hutchinson, probably Tim Scott, likely still Ron DeSantis, although Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, has hit some uh, major speed bumps, to say the least, over the past many weeks. Uh, But Donald Trump is still the odds-on favorite, uh, whether, whether you want him to or not. And on the Democratic side, I mean, you can't run against a sitting president. So unless Joe Biden was to pull a Lyndon B. Johnson and as president say, nope, not running for re-election, going to step away here, then it's pretty much Joe Biden's uh, race to run and nobody's going to stand in his way. Yes, he will have a little bit of token opposition and does. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to run. Pretty fringy. Marianne Williamson, who ran in 2020 and and lost after having a little bit of blip of popularity, but basically got cleaned out early on. She's running, too. But, you know, 99.9% chance here that Joe Biden is going to be your Democratic nominee uh, so long as his health stays good and and, and he, he runs. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we're, we're angling that way. I mean, it's really going to be up to the Republicans almost to decide because they will have a competitive Republican primary to, to decide whether they want Donald Trump to run again or they want to change course and do something else and have somebody else uh, carry the banner for the GOP going into 2024, presumably against Joe Biden. Uh, Dave, it's it is it is so interesting. You know, I mean, in all of my my years of following politics, Dave, which uh, have been, I think, since 2000, I remember every election since 2000, I think I can say. And am I wrong in saying there's never been, if this becomes Biden versus Trump, a more, you know, two more unpopular people running against each other? I mean, you kind of could have said that, or maybe you would have said that against Hillary Clinton yeah, and Donald a good Trump point. In, in 2016, and, and both of them were going into that race, and, and they were not nationally popular. I mean, they were really kind of uh, scratching the, the bottom of the barrel that we've talked about now three times uh, during their race, and uh, we, you know, we, we know how that turned out. I, I think one interesting wrinkle to all of this, Joe, is going to be whether if it is a truly a Joe Biden, Donald Trump 2.0 race in, in 2024, whether that's going to open wide the door to some uh, interesting wrinkles, shenanigans, call it what you will. And what I mean by that is the uh, the, the form of this turning into some sort of uh, manifestation of a third, legit third party candidate, uh, somebody who could come in and run as an independent or run with a third party and and cause some trouble for either or both of the candidates. Now, we really have to go back to like the mid 90s and 1992, 1996, when Ross Perot ran as an independent with the Reform Party, then nascent Reform Party, and was able to, to definitely, you know, get some popularity. And he won a lot of popular votes, I believe around 20 percent for the 1992 run and arguably helped Bill Clinton in the process. So and knock George H.W. Bush uh, out of the presidency. Now, will something like that happen? 
totally unclear. You know, there's a group called No Labels out there. Pay a little attention to them. They're, they're sort of agitating for a third way in, in the, the 2024 presidential race. Unclear as to whether they're going to have uh, any legitimate effect on, on the way that the race is run. But there is uh, plenty of rumbling out there uh, among at least uh, some dis- disaffected Republicans and some Democrats who would love to see somebody else other than Joe Biden uh, actually uh, run as a Democrat and uh, in, in possibly maybe sort of kind of there could be a thing that's going on that we're going to have to pay some attention to going forward. Uh, one last question about this, and you kind of already mentioned it, but Ron DeSantis has not announced he's a candidate yet, but, you know, uh, a lot of people are focusing on his next move. Now, uh, former President Trump has been racking up endorsements when it comes to Republicans in D.C. Is there a thought that if and when Ron DeSantis announces, makes it official, he will have endorsements to counter that. He, he will, almost certainly. But it, Donald Trump right now is, is playing the long artillery game right now. And what I mean by that is Donald Trump, for example, has a super PAC that is run by a bunch of his supporters. This kind of group can raise and spend unlimited amounts of money. And it's been spending millions of dollars already attacking Ron DeSantis, who isn't even a presidential candidate. So it's kind of this extraordinary, unprecedented intramural fight that's going on and being fueled and and being supplied by crazy amounts of money. And Donald Trump is doing a very effective job at softening Ron DeSantis up ahead of any announcement that he makes about running for the presidency. Now, Ron DeSantis also has not been doing himself a whole lot of uh, favors himself in the sense that he went on this international tour very recently. And by all accounts, it uh, didn't go that well. And uh, he's, he's kind of being lampooned for trying to you know, operate as a presidential candidate who isn't a presidential candidate and not exactly uh, you know, performing that well on an international scene. Then he's got the fight with Disney that's going on. I mean, there's a, there's a lot in Ron DeSantis's world that, that's going a little bit sideways right now. So, of course, he can likely uh, pull out of his mini tailspin here uh, and, and leave open the possibility that things will be better for him in a month or two than they are today. But here we stand on April 30th, and Ron DeSantis is a little bit of a, a tarnished commodity relative to what we might have been describing Ron DeSantis as, say, two months ago this time. We'll have to keep our eyes on it in D.C. this week as well, Dave. We had an agreement on the debt limit amongst Republicans in Congress, minus four Republicans who uh, did not vote for it. That moves to the Senate now. Any chance this gets through the Senate? No, (laughs) no chance at all, at least in the form that it's in right now. So this is a Republican bill. Uh, Republicans have... As you just described, they have negotiated it amongst themselves where there was some, you know, at least uh, marginal disagreement about how to proceed forward. But this is dead on arrival, uh, dead on arrival in the Senate. And uh, Senator Chris Coons, who's uh, among those who's leading the pushback on the Democratic side and in the Senate, has basically laid it out as this. He said, OK, we're, we're either going to raise the debt limit or we're going to default. There's no negotiation here. And the reason he's saying that is because if we do default and the debt limit isn't raised and we we do go into this unprecedented realm of not being able to make good on our debts, then uh, the economy is going to almost certainly crater and tank. We're going to go into a recession. I mean, some bad, bad things are going to happen because 
everyone his banks on the full faith and credit of the United States, and if the United States cannot provide that, then we're in deep trouble. But Republicans are saying, well, well okay, fine, we'll concede that, but also to our economy is going to tank if we don't cut spending and we don't take some pretty extreme and even draconian actions to rein that in. We are also going to crater our economy if we continue on this path. So that's really the debate that's being set up. And I think the question at this point, Joe, is whether Democrats are going to step away at least a little bit from that hard and fast either or line and negotiate with Republicans on some level for the Republicans. Well, you know, how much are they really willing to give up among their many, many demands to cut what effectively would be trillions of dollars of spending over many years from the budget. It's uh, it's quite a game of chicken. And I would just end by saying that we don't have a deadline date right now. Okay. And Janet Yellen, the U.S. Treasury Secretary, she has to provide basically a drop dead date to get this negotiation done. Well, you know, in Congress, nothing can get done without a deadline, okay? And it, it's sort of, we're in this weird situation here in D.C. where uh, if, you're, if you're a parent and, and, and you have a young child, it's almost like, okay, I'm going to give you three seconds, three, two, one, and then you extend one out for like seven minutes to try to get them to do what you want them to do. That's kind of where we're at right now. And until there truly is a deadline, expect this, you know, back and forth between Republicans and Democrats to, to go on ad nauseum. You know, I remember uh, during the Trump administration, we had that meeting with uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, you know, the doors closed after there was some disagreement in front of the cameras. Are we close to a Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, Kevin McCarthy all in the Oval Office together discussing this? Not yet, but expect that something like that would be very plausible, if not probable, if ultimately we get a deadline and there is no meaningful steps toward negotiating a final resolution, at least one that would last for a year or around thereabout. We're just not to that point yet, Jim. Dave, uh, FTX, it's uh, trying to bring down Tom Brady, and now it's playing a, a part in American politics. There's a, on Ross Story, there's an article why big-time politicians are surrender, surrendering gobs of campaign cash to an unlikely source. What's going on? Yeah, well, uh, my, my two new colleagues, investigative reporters Mark Alicia and Alexandria Jacobson, they uh, they, they're hitting the ground running in their first month here at Raw Story, and they did an absolutely eye-opening story, especially for those in the political realm, to indicate that the Department of Justice has been demanding that what we now know to be dozens of campaigns and political committees surrender campaign cash that they've received from FTX executives including Sam Bankman-Fried, the former CEO, who is uh, under a legal storm cloud, uh, you know, about the size of uh, Ohio right now. And as a result, this is something we've never seen before in politics, where the Department of Justice is basically telling political campaigns, including those of sitting members of Congress, to uh, fork over the cash because they're trying to collect that money, uh, in essence, for restitution to people who lost money uh, as a result of FTX uh, going kaput and bankrupt. So it, it, it's kind of a, you know, not only a bizarre situation, but the campaigns are forking that money over to the U.S. Marshals, which, you know, you typically think of the U.S. Marshals, they're chasing down bad guys who uh, have committed alleged crimes and bringing them to justice, right? Well, they're actually uh, a pretty significant recipient of political campaign cash. So 
you're a donor to any of the various political committees that have received this kind of money, probably the last place you thought that your money was going to be going to, uh, even if you were an FTX uh, you know, executive, as uh, is the case here, would be going to the U.S. Marshals Service. So we, we see lots of new things in politics all the time. This is definitely on that list. It's something that is very new. Wow, Dave. FTX, it's the story that never stops. It really doesn't, and uh, expect to hear lots more of it soon. The, the other shoe has not fully dropped here, and the big question is uh, how many people are going to go to jail as a result of this? And for all those people who invested, uh, are, are they going to be made fully good uh, as a result of the government's actions, which have been very aggressive up to this point, Joe? Dave, always, uh, always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, if you didn't get enough Dave here, we look forward to uh, when you talk with Susan and Brian Tuesday morning at 6.50. Well, sounds good. I, I I think my family has had too much, Dave, so uh, hopefully you guys can, you know, be okay with me on Tuesday morning. No such thing. Dave Leventhal, Editor-in-Chief at Raw Story. Dave, as always, appreciate you joining me. Thanks so much, Joe. Have a great weekend. All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.